0: I just got to thinking lately, you know, um, I think oftentimes we can be so prone to get mixed up with our purpose in our life and our priorities. It's very easy for us to get sidetracked. I think that's our human nature. Uh, We want to squirrel after every shiny thing the world has to wave before us. And I got to thinking about this, and I thought to myself, if we take Jesus as an example— and we look at his purpose, we look at his priorities and why he came, I think we can find in him our purpose and our reason and our priorities here for living on this earth and continuing. Um, think about it for just a moment tonight. As we, as we go through this time, this is what I want you to think, really. Why did Jesus come? What was the purpose behind it all? I mean, what was the purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this earth? What was the purpose, folks? Probably some of you are thinking, come on, preacher, you know John 3, 16. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we all know that Jesus came, that we might be saved. Praise the Lord, amen. I'm glad about that, aren't you? That we wouldn't have to perish, that we could have everlasting life. And you're right, that was part of the purpose. He did come that we might be saved. But I want us to dig a little deeper tonight and get into some specifics. As I was reading my Bible, I came to the phrase from Jesus' lips, I come. I come. And then Jesus proceeds to tell us why he came. So I started to dig it out, and I did notice that throughout the Gospels, he repeatedly tells us why he came. And so tonight, as we look at this, I want you to realize that if, we can clearly see and recognize why he came, then as Christians, we can take God's purpose and make it our own personal purpose. That's really what God wants us to do anyways, right? Because God wants us to be like who? Like Jesus Christ. (laughs) We're to be being conformed more and more into his image. So if our purpose and our priorities aren't like Jesus, then guess what? They're not right, are they? You see, we can find the true center of our purpose, or what it ought to, our purpose ought to be, if we understand the purpose of Jesus Christ. You know, we live in a, a society today that really has no real purpose, does it? I mean, you talk to folks out there today, it seems like people just don't even know. They're kind of like a ship adrift on the water. Um, but it shouldn't be that way for us as believers. Um We ought to see our purpose fulfilled in Jesus Christ and all that he has shown us in the word of God. And I know most people, we're looking for purpose. We're looking for uh, something to drive us in this life. And oftentimes people find it in all the wrong places, don't they? I mean, if you go out door knocking, you find people finding their purpose and their priorities in all the wrong places. Drugs, alcohol, um, infidelity. Uh, some people are worshiping their career and their houses and lands and stuff. And, and I mean, the list can go on and on. It's all the, they lump all their purpose, all their priorities into these things, and they've missed the mark. Because it's not, it's not why you're here. Now, I really believe the only way we can truly be able to understand what God's purpose is for us is if we truly understand God's purpose in sending His dear Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And so I want us to consider that tonight uh, from God's Gospels and hear from God's Word why He came. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 5. We're going to read verses 31 and 32. But I want you to notice here, first of all, it says that, He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let us read both verses here. Luke 5, verse 31 and 32. 32. And Jesus answering and said said unto them they that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You know some folks can't understand why we would pick up bus kids. Unfortunately, we have not been able to do that for a while, but some people would look at our church and say, "Why in the world would you do that?" Some folks can't understand why we would go door to door in some of the worst areas of town, and yet we have done that repeatedly uh, through the entire time that I've been here. Some folks can't understand why we would send missionaries to those crazy places all over the world, right? But why do we do this? We do this because he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, you see, we're not looking for the for the rich, for the powerful, for the so-called good. No, we, like Jesus, are looking for sinners that need to be saved. Amen. You know, if we get satisfied with us four and no more, I mean, if we come to church and can be satisfied singing in fellowship with Christians and, and preaching and teaching only to Christians, then our church is missing its purpose, isn't it? For Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's what the Bible says. Our purpose is wrapped up in that. Our purpose is wrapped up in calling sinners to repentance. That's what God tells us here. And so our focus at victory ought to be to find ways to bring sinners to repentance. You know what? It's not about you. Some people do that when they come to church, right? Well, I'm going to go to this church because they give me this, and 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 they give me this. this. It ain't about you. When you come to church, you ought to be looking to serve, amen. You ought to be looking for an opportunity, amen, to call some sinners to repentance. Hey, whether it's through the prison ministry or the bus ministry or door-to-door ministry or Sunday school ministry, whatever it may be, looking for an opportunity to bring sinners to repentance because that's why we're here, amen. That's why Jesus came and that's why he left us here, to bring sinners to repentance, I heard of a testimony of a young couple um, in a church that uh, had started bringing kids in on the bus, and and the people literally voted to cancel the bus ministry. To me, when I hear something like that, it just absolutely shocks me. I mean, uh, I guess probably their seats were getting taken, and uh, maybe they didn't act right, right, maybe they didn't look right, maybe they didn't smell right centers right you know we at times in Ukraine um, when we would have a elderly um, babushka that's what they call it all the, all the Ukrainian older women they call babush because they wear the head covering thing over and, and long dresses and they would a number of them would go around the village and we had this one we called Baba Marusa and she lived not far from our house and she was a known drunkard and It's crazy to think of grandmothers being alcoholics, but it was a common thing in Ukraine for us to find that. And she she would come to church, and as soon as she would sit down, you could smell her from the other side of the building. I mean, it was horrible. She smelled like alcohol, but she also smelled unclean because she never bathed. And um, their manner of using the toilet was not like us, and it also caused her to be very smelly. Sometimes I'd seen some of the Ukrainian women, even for them it was hard. They'd go spray Lysol behind her, (laughs) and then, you know, trying to just freshen it up a little bit. It was so bad, but you know what? She needed to be saved. You know what the sad thing is? I believe that woman's burning in hell today, and uh, it breaks my heart to think about that because we tried, and we tried, didn't we, Jessica? We wanted to see her get saved so bad, and we brought her to church, and and, uh, she came numerous, numerous times, but... Uh, she she never gave her life to Christ, and she died.
1: But you know what? When we went, we
0: went, why? Not to be, bring in the clean and the good-smelling and the pretty people and, 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 uh, and the so-called good and the religious, but to bring sinners to repentance. Amen, right? Yeah. Amen, that's our purpose here. Yeah. That's why God left us on the earth. Yeah. And when we get sidetracked with everything else, we're missing the point of being here. Praise God if you have a job tonight. But that's not the reason you're here. Brother Bill, praise the Lord. You got cars, but God didn't leave you here to fix cars. He left you here to bring people to repentance. You know, um, uh, I'd tell Brother Larry and Miss Pam if they were here tonight. God didn't leave them here to work at Ikea or... Morgan Olson, Brother Daryl, not to work at a factory, you know, you, those of many of you in here retired tonight, but he didn't leave you here to retire either. He left you here to fire, amen, right? God's got a purpose in your life. If you're still here, if you're still breathing, if you still got life in you, God wants you to use, just like Christ when he came, to bring lost sinners to repentance. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's great purpose in that. And That's what God wants to see in our lives, amen. Uh, that we would bring sinners to repentance. Um, we used to oftentimes joke with the uh, Ukrainians that we should call our church in, in Videnka, gangster Baptist Church, <laughs> because half the guys that attended the church had a prison record. And, uh, but you know what? those are the type of people we went to reach. We went to reach people that need to be saved, amen? amen. people that were lost, that need to repent and give their lives to Christ. So let's let's not focus on the the good. Let's not focus on ourselves and our comforts, because you know if we do that, you know what's going to happen? Oh, we're going to find our nice little cozy rut, right? Isn't that what most Americans like to do today? Oh, I'm so comfortable. I'll come. I'll get my place on my pew a couple times a week and go through the motions of Christianity, and there I'm good. But God says no. I'm gonna greater purpose for your life, Christian. Because as I sent my son, I sent him to call sinners to repentance. So also send I you to call a lost and dying world unto repentance. That's why he's left you here, Christians. Oh, may we not forget it. God's got a purpose in your life. Every day you go out, you've got a purpose. There's somebody that needs to be brought to Christ. Somebody that you may meet that may die before you see them again. In fact, I think oftentimes we don't even realize how, how frequently that happens. You know, we, Brother Raven, how many times have we gone on the street and then later that day somebody gets shot on that street? I mean, that's happened. It's crazy to think about, but that has happened numerous, numerous times since we've been here. We've gone out and door knocked and passed traps up and down the street, and three or four hours later on that same street, somebody gets shot. You know what? They have a witness. We tried. They may not have listened. Maybe they didn't listen, and we just never knew about it. But they had a witness. You say, God's got a purpose for you. Amen? So we, he said, we, we find our purpose here in, in, the, in the fact that Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's, that's our purpose. That's our reason for being here. Also, I want you to notice, and you can turn with me to John chapter 6. In verse 38. I came to do God the Father's will. John 6, verse 38. For I came down from heaven, listen now, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now that's a hard one for most of us because the reality is we all like to do what? We all like to do what I want to do, what me wants to do. That's not why Jesus came, though, was it? He didn't come to do what he wanted to do. He came to do the will of the Father. That's what the Bible clearly teaches us. Jesus, listen, he didn't come just to take a vacation to earth. He came to fulfill the orders of his Father. Every step that he took, everything that he did was according to the Father's will. You know what? Jesus knew what it meant to live a life of cross-bearing because he did not live his own life for his own will. And he did not die according to his own will either. He said, not my will, right? Not my will, but thy will be done. Instead, his whole life, all the way through his death, was ordered in submission to the will of God the Father. There's purpose in that, folks. And the reality is so oftentimes we lack, we lack perspective and we lack purpose in our lives because we've substituted our priorities for God's. We've substituted our will for God's, and it won't work. There's no purpose in that. The rich man built the greater barns, but he had no real purpose in life because he died and he lost it all, and it was all pointless, right? Rich man with Lazarus outside his gate, had everything he needed in life, lived very richly, and yet he died and had nothing and lifted up his eyes in hell, right? It was all vain. It was all pointless because he did not live for the very reason he was created. Listen, folks, we are created for the purpose of living for the will of our Lord and our God. And that's exactly what we see in, in the life of Christ. You know, in our day and age, it seems that there's so few people that are genuinely, sincerely, wholeheartedly concerned about actually doing what is God's will for my life. Most of the time, it's like, I feel like doing this. I'm doing this. I feel like doing that. I'm doing that. They don't pray about it. They don't ask what God wants. I just feel like doing this. I'm going to do it. As i mentioned most often that's the way we live we just live to please ourselves our own desires our own wants our own preferences and god's will is made secondary or oftentimes even worse you say what do you mean preacher oftentimes god gets pushed way down the list before maybe to the place where everything else becomes first besides him But that's not the way Jesus was, was it? You know, Jesus set the example for us as he completely submitted to the will of God the Father. He was setting the example for us. He was showing us, if I came to do God the Father's will, then you, Christian, my my child, Christian, you must have this purpose in your heart to, to follow God's will and not yours. My desire is that each of us would truly get on our knees like Paul and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I die daily, day by day. I die daily. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, I want thy will to be done. Is that not even how he taught us to pray? Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, right? Is that, I mean, we've, God's not looking for us to repeat that prayer, but that does show us a type of how he expects us to pray. It ought to be our desire to see his kingdom come. It ought to be our desire to see his will be done, not just on this earth, but in our lives as well. Amen. And oftentimes we just don't care. We don't even pray about what God's will is. We just do what we want. May God help us to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? In the little things I will submit to your will, but also in the great things I will submit to your will. You see, listen, folks, the missionary heart of God must be our heart as well. We must purpose to say, not my will, but thine be done. And if you're living according to your own will and not his, then you are are not living for your real purpose. It's got to be not my will, but thine be done for in that is found our purpose for being here you know how many times you meet somebody and they're just so unsettled in life and they don't seem to really have purpose you know maybe the reason is because they're living according to their own will they're living according to their own desires maybe it's because They're simply not caring about anybody but themselves. God said, seek to bring sinners to repentance, right? They're not caring about sinners coming to repentance. They're not caring about God's will. So it's understandable to look at them, to see how they're all fidgety and get settled in life and seem to find no purpose in life because God's told them the purpose and they won't do it. Listen, folks, he came to... Bring the sinners to repentance. He came to do the will of God the Father. In those things, we find the will of God for ourselves as well. We find the purpose of God for our lives as well. I noticed thirdly tonight. He came to seek and to save the lost. But I want to focus specifically on the fact that he came to seek the lost. Luke chapter 19. And verse number 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now this kind of goes along with the first point. Um, and what I said about John three sixteen 16 as well. But we need to realize that Jesus came, that all men might be saved, whosoever will, right? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Repentance. I want you to notice though, he didn't come just to save, but it tells me here he seeks as well, doesn't he? Jesus came to actively seek out and to save the lost. Aren't you glad that he sought you out? Praise the Lord, I'm glad he sought me out. You consider for just a moment if there was an ocean liner that had just sunk and you see all these people all drowning in the sea and there's, there's a lifeboat out there and you just anchor that lifeboat down in one location hoping to save some. Would it be much of a good idea? Now granted, someone might happen to come upon that lifeboat and get saved. But if you are really interested in seeing them get rescued You'd have multiple operations going on in an effort to seek and to find those that are lost, right? I mean, bring out the helicopters, bring out the planes, the multiple boats. I mean, get out the scuba divers, anything you can to bring them in. Seek them, but they might be saved. <laughs> Is that not what God wants to see us doing? You see, we may happen to bump into a lost person here in church once in a while, and they might get saved, and we have a hallelujah fit, amen? But if we will truly try to reach the lost, it's going to have to extend beyond those doors, folks. It will involve us seeking them out. That involves some effort, doesn't it? That doesn't mean I just go home and sit and if, if the phone rings, I'll talk to them. If God brings them my way, I'll talk to them. God's not saying if he brings them their way. He's saying you seek them, amen. amen. That means you go get them, amen. Bring them in that my house may be full. That's what the Bible says. Seek them out. Jesus had the purpose to seek and to save those who that were lost. And we need to be actively seeking out the lost. And when we, too, realize that as part of the body of Christ, this is one of our main purposes, to seek out the lost, to seek to save them. May God help us to realize God wants us to be busy seeking the lost. Listen, Brother Jackie, the fish don't jump in the boat, do they? I had never seen it happen. Now I'm not I'm not I'm granted I'm granted I'm not out there fishing every day, but you gotta seek those things, don't you? You got a bad spot, you gotta go find a better spot, don't you? Right? You gotta seek those fish. You know what? Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men, didn't he? Hey, you keep seeking out the lost. That's what Jesus did. That was his purpose. That'll be our purpose as well. May God help us. Notice number four now. So I see here that he came. The Bible tells us he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came to do God the Father's will. He came to seek and to save. Number four, he came that we might have life more abundantly. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Now the devil desires to destroy all that is good and all that is right in your life. But Jesus came with the purpose of giving life. Not just to save us from death, but to give us an abundant, overflowing life now and then, life eternal in the hereafter. Jesus did not want to save us just to leave us to ourselves. No, he literally came with the purpose of giving us, right now, that abundant, fruitful Christian life. And when we as saved, born-again Christians, learn the principle of yielding to the vine we then truly start to comprehend the abundant life. We can truly start to comprehend and to see God working in and through us and that fruitfulness that he wants in our lives. And should that not also be our purpose, Christians, that those of us who are more mature in our faith, that we would take and we would would disciple and we would train the younger believers about how they can grow into godly, fruitful Christians as well, the Christians that God wants them to be? Simply by yielding their members unto God, the abundant life is available to every yielded believer. And yet the sad reality is that in many, if not most churches, a person makes a profession and then is left to themselves. Many times it takes years for them to mature as believers and to grow because no one has taken time To disciple them in the faith so they can grow and become that abundant, fruitful Christian that God wants them to be. Some of you in here may say, well, preacher, I've never been discipled. You know what? It's available here. You can do it if you want to. I would be glad to do it with you, okay? But you know what? I wish somebody had discipled me when I was a kid. Nobody ever discipled me. And probably I could go to church after church after church here in America. Now, a lot of missionaries are doing this. But most churches here in America... I mean, praise God if they get saved, Amen. But and let them come to church week after week, and they never get disciple. Oh, may God help us uh, to remember that just as God's purpose was to help us have the abundant Christian life, we ought so also to help one another uh, to be living that abundant Christian life, to grow and to become fruitful. So, uh, notice He came that we might have life more abundantly. Also notice number 5, the Bible tells us in Matthew 20 that he came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life for us, the Bible says. Uh, Matthew chapter number 20 in verse 26 to 28. But it shall be not, not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto you, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Now, listen folks, Jesus... He left his throne in glory as the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, right? To humble himself as a lowly servant born in a manger, to live as a poor man and die as a thief on an old rugged cross that he might do what? That he might serve you and that he might serve me. He came with the purpose to minister unto us, to serve us, and and ultimately to die for us. And he tells us this purpose of mine. It's an example for you. And yet in most churches that we go to, nobody wants to serve, right? Everybody wants to be served. They say 10% or less of the church is actively doing all the work of the church. 10% are involved in serving. One out of every 10. Now that shows because we have the core group here tonight. Probably most of you are actively doing something here. But you know what, if this is the case for you, listen, you are missing out on the purpose of God for your life. Because Jesus came, (laughs) why? Not to be ministered unto, but to what? To minister, to serve. And he set the example for us that we might understand it is his purpose for every one of us, not just the minister, not just the preacher or the pastor, but for every one of us as born-again Christians to serve one another and to minister to a lost and dying world that desperately needs to be saved. As a youth pastor, my attitude to my pastor was whatever you want me to do. Here I am. I'll fill the gap. did the toilets. I did the floors. Sewage came up one time. I cleaned that up too. That was fun. <laughs> Soul winning. We, we knocked doors. We picked up bus kids. Pretty much anything that needed to be done. We mowed the lawn. Here I am, Pastor. just want to serve God. That's all it was. I just want to serve God. As a missionary, we went to Ukraine and, boy, we did some crazy things. I helped people cover greenhouses in their villages. We planted cucumbers. We tilled gardens. We served them and taught them and did so many different things just to show them the love of Christ. And now we've come here and, again, we've tried to do the same thing. We've visited the sick. We've gone to the hospitals. We've meals at times or baked goods and brought them to people Trimmed trees and mowed lawns and other things of that nature why well because we love you but also because we love Jesus yeah. because I didn't come here to be ministered unto I came here to minister this that's the attitude of Christ folks to Oh, may God help us to learn from Jesus to serve one another. That's that's part of our purpose, all of these things. It's it's part of our purpose. He's laying down a plan for your life. Are you complaining tonight? Where's my purpose? My priorities seem a mess. Hey, listen, maybe it's because some of these things aren't right in your life. Because if they are, I can guarantee you, you're going to have some purpose. (laughs) What about it? Are you active in seeking to bring sinners to repentance? Are you actively seeking to do God's will, not your own? That means his way, what he wants, not what you want in your way. Are you coming to seek out those that need to be saved? Are you involved in encouraging others to enjoy the abundant Christian life that you've grown to love? Number five, have you come to minister, to serve? When you come to the house of God, that ought to be your hat. I'm here today to serve. I'm here today to serve God. Whatever I can do today to serve God, that's why I'm here. Amen? Amen. Not to be served, which is the vast majority of Christendom today. And then last, I want you to notice tonight as we finish up, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 39. I came not to unify, but to divide. It says here, starting Matthew 10, verse 34 to 39. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter, against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life, for what? For my sake shall find it. Those are some very powerful verses there, aren't they? You know, oftentimes people paint Jesus as a loving, gracious God who would never send anyone to hell, who would never stir up any conflict, who would, who would only unite the human race and we would all get along and sing kumbaya together, right? Is that not the type of reality that many are out there trying to portray of Jesus? But that's not what Jesus said, is it? In fact, Jesus was very distinctly Divisive when he was here on earth. I mean, he spoke very blatantly and plainly to the scribes and the Pharisees. He went into the temple and drove them out of the temple. The money changers, he drove them out. There were many that forsook him because of the way and the stand that he took. The reality is Jesus himself tells us, I came not to unify. Is that not what they're proclaiming everywhere right now? Unity, unity, inclusion, and diversity, right? Let's all get along. Jesus didn't come for everybody to get along. Now, he came so everybody could get along with him. (laughs) But he's not going to submit to their low standards. They're going to have to come over his way, right? Jesus says, I came not to unify, but to divide. As light separates from darkness, the lost will separate from us. If we are truly born again, that's what's going to happen. It divides. You can't help it. Are you saved? When you go to a family gathering, what happens? I can guarantee you the vast majority will find this to be the case. If you're truly saved, there's going to be a spreading effect. <laughs> you ever shaken oil and water? What happens? It doesn't stay mixed very long, does it? The oil always separates. You ever shine light in the darkness? The light always spreads the darkness. It can't stay where there's light. It's the same with those that live that way. When we as light come in their midst, they can't stay with us. They can't unify with us, and we can't with them. You see, Christ came not to unify but divide. We're going to have to realize, you know what? If we're going to have the purpose in our lives that God wants, sometimes that means there's going to be some division. There's going to be some family members that we love even maybe that might separate from us. There's going to be some friends like that, maybe some neighbors, maybe some some people that we know that are going to say, hey, I don't like you anymore because you told me what the Bible said. Well, guess what? God's word is divisive. Because it does say repent. It does say that sin is wrong. It does say that people are going to hell if they don't give their life to Christ. And as a believer, I'm going to take a stand for that. I can't close up my mouth and say it's okay. That really wouldn't be loving is what it boils down to. It's not loving to pat somebody on the back on the way to hell. It's loving to tell them the truth, even if it is divisive. And sometimes they will separate from you. Sometimes they won't like you. Sometimes they will holler and yell at you or say nasty things to you. But you know what? You haven't been called to get along with the world, Christian. You've been called to take a stand for Christ. And sometimes that means uh, coming not to unify, but to divide. You know, we, we really don't even have it all that bad here in America. Um... Really, the vast majority of anything we might do, maybe somebody would yell at you when you hand them a gospel track or something, or crumple it up and throw it back in your face, or uh, scream at you, get out my doorstep, or something like that. You know, I mean that's about as bad as it gets here in America. But you know, there's some places in Middle Eastern countries today, or in India, when a person accepts Christ and they follow the Lord in believers' baptism. They are cast out of the family. They are shunned, sometimes even worse. Sometimes they're even martyred. Listen, folks, Jesus doesn't unify. He divides very clearly because the light can have no fellowship with the darkness. In Ukraine, it wasn't uncommon for all the older Orthodox ladies to gang up on, on any one lady who would start attending our church. I remember two or three ladies right now in my mind that would start coming and then you'd see all these bombush gathering around of why are you going over to that church? You can't go to that church. That church is a cult. <laughs> That's what the orthodox people would call us because we weren't of their orthodox persuasion. If they couldn't heckle them into leaving the church, they would just label them as a cult and separate from them and no longer be friends with them. They would ostracize them from the rest of themselves. Jesus came not to unite, but to divide. What fellowship hath Christ with Belial, the Bible? So that means the devil. Does God have any fellowship with the devil? No. He doesn't. He is completely divided from that. And so also light has no fellowship with darkness. When we stand for light and stand for truth, we're going to divide. Many of you have family members who don't care to be around you. Some who don't really want to talk to you anymore. Some who maybe have deleted you on Facebook. (laughs) Because you're a Christian and you have witnessed to them. And you have talked to them about the Lord and they don't want to talk to you anymore. Listen folks, we may live in a politically correct world, but Jesus didn't come to unify the human race. He came to save them from their sins. And some don't like the message of Jesus. They don't like the message of repentance and faith and give your life to Christ. It divides. It separates. It's it's not politically correct. They won't even pray in Jesus' name most places now. Because Jesus is not politically correct. The Antichrist will be politically correct. The Antichrist will unify. But you know what Jesus does not But listen, folks, if Jesus said, I came to divide, might we realize that people are going to separate from us, and we will cause division, and people will be upset with our unpolitically correct message of repentance and faith if we will stand for God. And yet such a message is part of the reason that Jesus came, isn't it? So might we not be afraid to stand up and to preach the truth and to stand for what God stands for. Especially in this day and age, we need it more than ever to be the salt and the light. Okay? Uh, You know what? The darkness doesn't like the light. Okay? People don't like the salt. It stings in the wound, doesn't it? It hurts, right? But God's called us to be that. Because in that we find that we're fulfilling the purpose of God in our life. And sometimes that means there's some people that will separate from us because of that. May we not be afraid to take a stand for God no matter who might divide from us because of it. Because in that we find our purpose. So notice what we've seen tonight. In Christ and his reasoning for coming, we find his purpose, his priorities. And in in his purpose and priorities, we find our purpose and priorities in being left here on this earth to bring sinners to repentance are you active in that that's part of your purpose christian to do god's will is it your will or god's will you wonder why you don't have any purpose maybe it's because you're not doing god's will to seek out those that are lost just as jesus came to seek the lost he sought you when you were lost he wants you to be actively seeking those that need to be saved. To also have life more abundantly and to share the secret of the abundant, fruitful Christian life with new believers, that they might grow and be fruitful as well. Not to be ministered unto, always wanting everybody to serve you, but to be a minister and to give your life. That's what it says in that verse. He gave, he came not to be ministered under, but to minister and to give his life. And also not to unify, but to divide. Okay, if we're going to take a stand for the truth, we are sometimes going to divide because light has no fellowship with darkness. Oh, may God help us to see in these things our purpose and our reasoning for being left here on this planet. And may God help us, amen, to live out our purpose for the very glory of God. Amen. Because he is truly worthy. Let us now close in a word of prayer.